You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. My name is Eli Steenlidge, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. And on this episode, we're talking about Ready Player One. And I think this film kind of comes with a, a kind of tough position that it was released with. Uh-huh. So it has a lot of nostalgic fan service yep. for audiences um, that they can connect with, but it also faces like the bitter wrath of pop culture fandom and the guardians of this sort of fandom. So I think uh, we see with video game audiences, we're pretty brutal with uh, Gamergate, which we can get into a yeah. little bit, um, which I think has is, is part of sort of the history of the book and the movie coming out and kind of happened in between those things yeah. um, with that. And so I kind of wanted to approach a few different sort of aspects of this film that we could kind of latch on to. Um, for myself, I mostly feel that it didn't go far enough into any particular aspect of the film mm-hmm. um, to really make it that interesting. It kind of skimmed over a lot of things. Uh, I think it's easy for this subject matter to just say, it's fun. It's a block type, uh, blockbuster type movie. Um, just enjoy it. You don't have to go very deep. But I think Spielberg could have done a lot more with it. Um, with all these different pieces if he wanted to. And certainly I think he's capable of doing it, and it just doesn't seem like the type of movie that he wanted to make. Spielberg's pretty good at keeping the movie running at a quick pace, Yeah. so you don't really have time to think about a lot of these different aspects. Mm -hmm. And I will admit, like, it's pretty fun. Um, The action's good. Uh, there's always something like new to look at and evaluate little pieces of what's going on in the background. But I guess kind of the two things that I want to kind of ask us is what's going on with all the references and this nostalgic factor that's kind of getting audi- audiences kind of riled up. It has a pretty good critic response, but yeah. they're mostly a little bit lukewarm, more on the positive side. Mostly positive. Mostly but positive, yeah. No one's... Like, wow. Effusive about it, yeah. And so, and then the other thing I want to talk about is what's happening with um, Spielberg. And I think this film is talking to his sort of film history, his own career in it. So those are kind of the two things I wanted to sort of address. But let's talk more about kind of the reaction to this film. Because it's uh, financially very successful. Um, I think especially internationally it's doing really well. But there has been a lot of people that don't love it as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, some of what I want to, so, historical context. Yeah. Um, uh, if someone listens to this in the future, I have to mention this fact. <laughs> and that is that, like, this movie came out, like, what, like a month after Black Panther? Yeah. Month, month I was and a half. close to that, yeah. And, I mean, Black Panther is, like, now, like, the, the third highest grossing movie of all time. All time, yeah. Not adjusted for inflation, mind mm-hmm. you. Um, and so, and I mean, it is, a, I mean, we talk about Black Panther on the show and on another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. It's amazing. It's black. It's different. <laughs> also, you know, some stuff is the same, but like yeah. there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that's interesting and new and good mm-hmm. to check out in that film. 
Um, and so in the context of that, like this comes out. And I think like it, uh, critics probably would have been a little bit more enthusiastic about it if it didn't come after. Right after Black yeah, I mean, it's like what, I mean, who, who remembers the two or three films that came out after Avatar or like right, around right. Titanic? I'm sure there's stuff out there. Yeah. But I think that that's, um, uh, you know, I think that's sort of an, like an indelible part of its mm-hmm. reception, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. I, think, I think we'll always be. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is I think that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really disappointed when you and I go and see a film together. Yeah. The, the one exception is like Alien Covenant, <laughs> which we've talked about, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I read several reviews of Ready Player One before we went, mm-hmm. and they were like all over the map. Yeah, there were some folks saying, you some, I mean, folks that I like, mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, like it's good, it's okay, it's entertaining. There's some cool stuff. The effects are pretty solid. Yeah. It's a sweet story. Others were like, this is just like a misogynistic piece of <laughs> trash. Yeah, um, you know, and others be like, this is like a deep, convoluted story about like with many layers where Spielberg is using Spielberg to talk about Spielberg, Spielberg. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like Layers a corporate blockbuster, yeah. like attacking corporate blockbusters as a corporate blockbuster. And, you know, and then it's like there's the corporation in the film. Anyway. Yeah, um, lots of so stuff. Yeah. I did not know exactly what to expect mm-hmm. going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, I mean, like I had a, I had an entertaining time. Yeah, it was pretty fun, actually. Um, and, you know, there were some, there were some like things like off the bat, and this is sort of where... Just just in terms of storytelling, there's one mm-hmm. thing, one criticism I had, yeah, and that's and that's about like, shall we say, milieu, right? Okay. So it, it takes place in the future, mm-hmm. and I haven't I haven't read the book, so admittedly, like I don't know exactly yeah, what the I have not read uh, the, the setting yeah. is set, but um, just in terms of the visual setup we get of the stacks, apparently everything mm-hmm. happens in Columbus, Ohio, by the way, like it's right. the center it's of it's everything, <laughs> obviously, which yeah. is totally fine. Um, it it sets itself up as to as being like some manner of a cyberpunk world, mm-hmm. you know, it, coming from you know the father of cyberpunk. Sorry, William yeah. Gibson, who like declares himself as such, but his writing right. is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, it reminds me of like this um, role playing game world that I used to play in as a kid called Shadowrun. They've recently made a very wonderful video, uh, computer game out of Shadowrun, which I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in, in in Shadowrun in the future, it's like there's like it's like a little bit of uh, everyone's kind of a criminal because they're corporations which are generally powerful but also a little bit corrupt Um, and the hierarchy in the world is based on usually who has technology or access to technology or something like that it's Mm -hmm. often referred to as the technocracy Mm -hmm. people have different terms for it Um, but it's a world which is kind of grimy which is like when we see the stacks in Ohio that Mm -hmm. seems fine there are people that like don't really have access to this world Right. And Wade, from the very beginning, doesn't... I mean, he, he's using, like, cut-rate stuff, having to borrow from his parents to, you know, interact in Oasis. Mm-hmm. His also physical experience of Oasis is different because of his subpar stuff. Right. Right? You know, and so that hierarchy of experience in the digital world is something which is sort of a hallmark of cyberpunk. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's cool. And so, like, I liked that. Mm-hmm. The one part that I, like, is still really hard for me to get past is at the end of the film um, are, like... Killing two people in cold blood with an explosion doesn't trigger involvement of the police. Yeah. But a man waving a gun around in the in the mm-hmm. stacks is enough to like get every cop forever in there. Right. Um, and they like put him in a car and drive him away. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's something about that that was like, no, 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 no. Like if you set this up as like a like a lawless 
corporate run right. cyberpunk future, you're going to have to give me really, really good reason why the cops are even present sure that, in this yeah. world. Because they're yeah. usually, in the cyberpunk world, I mean, sometimes, like, you know, like, you have, like, a detective or an agency, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, like, Raymond Chandler yeah. stories. Or, like, you have, like, a lone cop. Mm-hmm. But, like, in general, like, the police are not enforcing order. Like, it's yeah. run by corporations. And we don't see it before that point. Right. At all. And, yeah, and there doesn't appear to be, I mean, the only, like, the most important rules... Mm-hmm. In our movie, mm-hmm. are the rules that uh, what James Halliday yeah uh, puts in his Oasis? Like mm-hmm. those are the things that the corporations are fighting. You know, imagine right. like those. If there were lobbying groups to change those rules, yeah. they would lobby to change those rules. Those are the most important rules mm-hmm. in this place. And so, because you know, it doesn't even matter that like his you know Wade's family gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody does anything about. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, Wade, I think some of the my problem with that was like the movie opened. And we get the stacks and stuff, and I was like, oh, I forgot, like, we will see, like, the real world, yeah. too. And this is, like, a little more interesting than I thought. Yeah. But then pretty much it gets dropped pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, I feel like we didn't see enough of the outside of the game world in yeah. general. Because the other parts were, like, okay, there's lots of, like, graffiti on these buildings. Yeah. and there, But it doesn't seem that bad. And then, like, when he goes to sort of the... Rebel, supposed rebellion or whatever, and they're on the roof, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the stacks are over there in that part of town." Mm-hmm. But it kind of seems like the rest of the town is not so bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, it's not totally clear um, that it's. Yeah, th- that's not visually consistent, right? And um, and I think we just don't get that world fleshed out enough in general. Yeah, that it's that I was hoping we would see at the beginning, because um, I think that is an interesting aspect when it starts um to see the stacks but we don't see much beyond that um except for driving on some dark streets and stuff like that yeah and then they get a nice you know sort of flat at the end which which seems once you get some money yeah Uh, i have heard some people it doesn't really explain why the police come initially but um they do say that now that they've like found all the easter eggs that suddenly our main character is a like one of the most rich people in the world. So in that society at that point, it might be that like money does rule. So he basically is more powerful with his money than the guy that's sort of threatening them. But I don't think that really explains why the police came before that. No, I, but I also think like... Um... I mean, one of the things that people always said about, like, The Lord of the Rings, which is a criticism I never thought was valid, mm-hmm. was that, like, there's, like, seven endings. Like, it ends, then it ends. I'm like, but I read the books. I know when it ends. It doesn't end. What right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in, in, so in Ready Player One, there is, like, so, I mean, when, when, Hall- when the, whatever, the, when Halliday presents him with Easter egg, mm-hmm. one thing that I think is quite interesting is, like, we don't know the nature of that person, yeah. that thing. Yeah. Right? That's one of the more futuristic interesting things hmm. that's in there and that's mm-hmm. like an ending right mm-hmm. he passes off the easter egg yeah that's the end of the story right yeah we could be done there yeah. but it continues uh-huh. and we have this sort of again i mean this ending which i can't characterize as anything more as we were talking about as like an after school special like you know <laughs> when you break the law the cops come and get you right right and don't forget kids you should turn off your video games and hang out with your friends yeah. including kissing your hot girlfriend right on tuesdays and thursdays yeah 
It's like, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it seemed very easy. I think we talked about this after we saw it, that uh, the main sort of villain played by Ben Mendelsohn has a gun pointed at them. And from what we know of this character at this point, he would just shoot them, most likely. But chooses to stop without hardly a threat from the police at that point. Well, but he cries because of the Easter egg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Spielberg has done better endings. Right. He's wrapping things up. Yeah. In a blockbuster sort of way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in general, like, the... I, I think my experience watching the film, doing the film, was pretty entertaining, pretty fun. Um, I went with it for the most part. But when I start to think back at some of the plot points, they start to sort of crumble pretty quickly. And including the, the sort of motivation any characters have for doing things, I think, like... I did think of this sort of during the film, but also like afterwards too, like the stakes are very low. They like, what are they going to lose if they don't protect the Oasis? You know, they're going to get more ads that they have to deal with. Like that's like really like the stakes of a lot of it. And I don't think they really follow through with a message of like, we have to have freedom in this virtual world instead of being controlled by a court. They try to say that, but like, we still don't really know like what's the consequences going to be it seems very low. Like, there's not much consequences in the real world besides, like, his, you know... Um, his aunt? His aunt, yeah, um, gets killed, which is bad. But he doesn't seem that concerned about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that bothered um, me, too. I mean, yeah. like, there's not even, like, Fort, they killed my aunt! Yeah. It's just, like, his family dies. And, I, I, and he moves on pretty quickly to yeah. look for the, the Easter eggs, yeah. Yeah. In a, a number of reviews that I read... There were like a couple straw men arguments that I want to mm-hmm. like throw up. One of which, uh, it, I mean, straw men is being generous. I mean, so like there were a number of um, uh, reviews that sort of talked about the referencing style of the film as being uh, derivative. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just like a references to everything. Yeah. You know, it's not original at all. It's emblematic of where Hollywood is. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have anything that's original. All it does is recycling these other things. Yeah. Um, it was also mentioned in a review, like, um, with the specific instance of the Iron Giant. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, but they show the Iron Giant punching Mega Godzilla. But, like, did they never see the Iron Giant and right. see his, like, it's, not, like, see the. Not a gun, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, part of this, like, I have, like, a very strong, like, visceral reaction to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it us- it's usually something like this. It's like, I grew up listening to, you know, watching films. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. if, if a film referenced Shakespeare, which billions of films do, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and if you watched a, a film in which, you know, like, there were, like, uh, futuristic soldiers and they looked like... Roman legionnaires or Greek yeah. hoplites or Egyptian mm-hmm. soldiers. That's a cool thing to reference. But they can't look like Spartans from Halo or characters yeah. from World of Warcraft or right. Overwatch. You know, like it has to be these other sorts of things. And I mean, like as, you know, as an artist, if I can say that about myself, like they're just ideas in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't actually have a relationship with the thousand or, you know, 1500 year old Roman legionnaires. Like right. they're, they're in books Right. And in images that I grew up with looking at mm-hmm. and things that were interesting. But like, you know, I spent a whole lot of time watching Halo Spartans do thing like yeah. and playing with Halo Spartan toys and, you know, like being excited about the weird way they tell stories mm-hmm. in Halo. Um, and they're just as 
like they're they're just as valid a thing to include yeah um as these other sorts of things yeah i mean i think people are forgetting i don't really have a problem with it either uh that well two things this is this holiday character's world i mean these are the things that he cared about like is the way into it so they might yeah. say like well people are like well was the pinnacle of pop culture really the 1980s and i think if you look at it it's not really only the 80s there's many references we get the shining which is much older um we get all references from all different periods really uh and i think that was just like a way in that yes probably a lot of the audience that's going after somewhat is like yeah. our age or even younger who still remember those things from like yeah. 70s 80s 90s and so yes it's going after that but that's that's like a way to connect with your audience yeah and it's based on one person and i think the other thing is like you're saying that seems very logical for that type of creation if i have control over what i do in that world why wouldn't I reference my favorite pop culture? Like, if I pick a car to drive in a race, why would it not be the DeLorean from Back to the Future? Why would I just make up something when I, there's already something awesome that has some meaning for me? Yeah, and so, and I think that that there's, there's a, it's like, it's a different aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like, I mean, this is, when I was thinking about what to say, I had this overlong thing, I thought about it, but summarized, it's like this, even, even like an artist who paints, Mm -hmm. like, Artists, even if they make their own paint, mm-hmm. they don't like invent the color red yeah. or the color purple right. or blue or yellow. Mm-hmm. And they certainly don't invent the connections that those colors have to things in the world. Mm-hmm. Like they don't invent the fact right. that like certain flowers are purple and so is the paint that you use. Mm-hmm. There's And so like um, I just I, there is, I think, a pretentious generational aesthetic that happens before us or slightly before us mm-hmm. that like you in order to do art yeah. you have to take something um and do do something completely new with it right um and i, I you know from seeing things i mean sometimes that's cool mm-hmm. but oftentimes even like if you look like I mean, even like great high art like yeah. they're painting figures mm-hmm. or even if you're i mean even like sort of the classics of cubism and other things like they're right. there it's an interpretation of a human face mm-hmm. like the thing that they're making is something is a universal reference point yeah. and so there's a part of it that's absolutely universal mm-hmm. and i think that there's there's this there's this pressure on 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 artists to say like you have to like you could make something that's like the delorean or inspired mm-hmm. by the DeLorean, but you have to add your unique creative element to it um, and I just think that there's a, a generation of people that we are a part of and that are certainly younger than us that like just paint with a DeLorean yeah. or like, or, you know, as opposed to, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I would say that like putting in references to the Iron Giant or uh, the Spartans or right. God bless them, the weapon from Krull. <laughs> I mean, I like fist bumped the entire theater at that moment. So, yeah. um, I mean, like it's ultimately, I think, more deeply resonant than mm-hmm. like a Roman legionnaire yeah. um, in connecting to its thing, like connecting to the actual thing. Like those mm-hmm. are, you know, like pretty much the same Spartans you see in the game. Yeah. Um, and certainly that those are um, like more beloved mm-hmm. than classical soldiers or, or any sort of or, or, or any even, sort of new thing you could invent. Right. Or for this. if they had like this arsenal of like futuristic weapons that they right. could choose from that they invented for the film. Like 
it might look kind of cool, but you don't have any connection to it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have any meaning for you. I, um, I do think they could have, like, done a little better with the weapons that they used. Yeah. But it was, in general, it's cool. I'm not going to think about that. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I like that they were a bit random. Yeah. Um, I also didn't think that the, the criticism a lot of people are giving is, like, there's just so much packed into certain shots. Like, it just becomes a game of, like, spot this. And I thought, like, they could have done more, like, direct yeah. references and got away with it. Like, I thought they were holding back a little bit. Well, one aspect visually that I think is interesting to me, there seems to be this, like, trend that I was starting to see when this movie was first getting promoted, and it kind of connects to the Battle Angel Alita movie yeah. that we talked about yeah, briefly, yeah, yeah, yeah. where the main character is... Uh, clearly computer generated has large eyes in that to look kind of anime and I feel like this film um, the main female protagonist is it Artemis yeah Artemis so she chooses to kind of have like a anime type face yeah I think as her sort of avatar um, but they never really address it like nobody addresses like what she chose to look like although she says this is not what I really look like but it actually does kind of look like her yeah um but i thought that was unique that they didn't address it but it was like a choice that she made based on like things that she cared about influence and that would be something new and so i think that was sort of like creating something somewhat new yeah to represent sort of your personality and things like that um that was a cool way i mean when i first saw trailers for this it bothered me because i wasn't sure if it was supposed to look photorealistic and yeah. seeing the actual film on a big screen, they were not trying to make it look... No. The characters look photorealistic. It was supposed to be like a game, which I think was better than trying to push it too far when it looks weird. Yeah. But I thought those were some really intentional choices that they made. Yeah. Um, and were still pretty pretty well done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I also have to say, like, I mean, uh, we, we don't have to get into specifics of, of Gamergate and its effects on the mm-hmm. world at this point. But I do think, like, the... If we like lean a little bit over into the uh, realm of talking about gender and the representation of mm-hmm. women and whatnot, this film does not win a whole lot of points do in that regard. I mean, that. I mean that said, like I love to see. Um, I don't know about Alina Wait. Okay. Alina uh, Waity. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She's the the black lesbian. Yeah. She's in um, um, Master, Master of None. None. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just think. That was done. Like I don't know what she's like in real life, uh-huh. but like I, lo- she plays this essentially the same character. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But I, I think she's great. Yeah. Um. I, I, they gave her an androgyn, like a, uh, it sounded like a computerly, a computer augmented androgynous voice. Mm-hmm. You know, Oasis. I, they should just given her man voice. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I, like the minute someone's like, you don't know what is really, you don't know who they really are. I'm like, oh, she's a girl. I'm yeah. like, that's cool. Um. But like, you know, you can. Just go whole hog, because mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know, like I mean, because whatever they can, the rules for the Oasis can be whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure that it can be, right? Um, I mean, I, I I liked her character a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think like once like the shots start flying and the action start happening, she's just kind of like a bus driver. Right. Um, and ultimately, yeah. like everyone in the everyone who's not Wade is just sort of like um, an accessory, mm-hmm. you know? For him, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I do have to say. And so the the a few things that counteract that are like there's all this referencing to clanning like to forming a clan mm-hmm. or being part of a group, mm-hmm. um, and I I do think it's significant at the end that like he declares these group of people that he's with his clan. Yeah. Um, Before that, he didn't want it. Right, and I think that's I mean that's something that if you look at, at like a lot of the 
like uh, more sensitive uh, feminist or modern mm-hmm. uh, critiques of this film and of Gamergate and of gamer culture, there's like one of the, the hallmarks of like what it is to be like a gamer yeah. is like you're a loner, you know, and it's like it replicates sort of the the, char- the character in all these stories, you know, mm-hmm. that you're like you're marked for destruction and the, only you can save the world, the secret thing, yeah. butch guns. <laughs> um, you know, and so... The fact that he that, that like he recognizes the value of his team at the end, I think, is good. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Yeah. And ultimately, like, um, uh, like as a you know, like I, like I play lots of games. Like uh, ultimately, like sure, he like is the one that does the end. Mm-hmm. But like the the movie emphasizes that way too much. I mean, yeah. like he's like big strong male thing that's not actually really good he's got us some stuff and mm-hmm. and everyone else you know like like in harry potter in the fourth book like mm-hmm. if like dobby doesn't bring the gillyweed like he, he doesn't succeed in any of these challenges you know right. like it, you know it's clear that it's the other people helping him that allows him to succeed mm-hmm. and i think it, the movie sees that but it also doesn't like it doesn't recognize their role right i mean he's a like a classic protagonist yeah um a classic male protagonist right. um and so that I find sort of disappointing. I also super, super hate all the stuff about Artemis's birthmark or whatever. Yeah. That, that like, this like, is like too. unpalatable. Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm sorry, I'm ugly. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, reality is you are super beautiful and you have some, like, deformity that, like, like weighed out of his graciousness and, and it's like, I still love you even though you're ugly. Right. I'm like, this is, I mean, and I assume, I I assume and impute that this is part of the original work yeah. um, for horrible reasons. Um, that trope in all fiction is just bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, it should not have been there. It, it, it damages, like, the quality of the whole film. Yeah. Like, that was something I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, I in general, even watch. in the Oasis, like, he... States that he he's in love with her so yeah. quickly, and he literally doesn't know anything no, about yeah. her. Um, and so it's all like a little ridiculous. She's just the cool hacker girlfriend prize. Yep. yep. Um, and that's disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, it sounded like they were going to do because she, up until we actually know what she looks like, she's like, you don't actually know what I'm like. You don't know... Yeah. You know, wish it would have been a dude. Yeah, yeah. So like, they started to seem like they were gonna do something, but it just turned out like, yeah, she's just a pretty and and so attachment I, for I, him. Yeah. I I I don't. So the other one redeeming element of her story arc mm-hmm. is that she undergoes like she is the one that gets the second key in the shining slash zombie thing, mm-hmm. and it's only important to me because. Um, she is a woman, mm-hmm. and it's just like when when they go to it. Whoever warns them at the beginning says, "I hope you have the stomach for it." Yeah, um, and there's just like this trope which you see in which a trope that I like, mm-hmm. like a, a a young woman coming of age trope. Mm-hmm. You see it um, in Pan's Labyrinth when when the, the young girl goes into like the disgusting tree. Mm-hmm. You see it in Spirited Away when the girl like works with the river demon and yeah. gets all that junk out, mm-hmm. like uh, like choosing to not be like a prim and proper prissy girl mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to like choose to willingly get dirty and disgusting yeah. as, as as of like a, a modern rite of passage mm-hmm. so i like that yeah i think that they're like i if i had the reins of the film um that would have been a much bigger part of it because mm-hmm. in some sense like she she interacts with um holiday's love interest she's sort of like 
keeps the adventure going yeah. by doing that because the other guys don't and sort of can't. Right. And eventually, like you know, Wade like brings it home in the end. Mm-hmm. But the of all the of all the keys and challenges that happened, that one I think was actually the presented as the hardest or seems right. the most challenging. It did, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you do, I think it's getting a lot of flack for her just um, being like the standard stereotype character, um, and he's like the main one that does everything. But for most of the first half, she's giving a pretty hard time about his sort of um, being naive yeah. about what's actually happening and uh, him just sort of showing off as like knowing the most about Halliday and stuff like that. But he doesn't know this like bigger picture of what's happening outside. Yeah. Although I think the only thing we kind of get about there being some sort of rebellion is that she's just like, welcome to rebellion. And then yeah. that place gets torn up, and they're like they escape from it, and that's yeah. like it. It's like, what is the rebellion exactly? <laughs> like, I guess against the big corporation, but um, yeah. she's really the only character we see as a part of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was just gonna say, like, um, the main character Wade Watts, he's really shallow as a character, and I think one thing you brought up is that he's sort of like who we relate to. We're supposed to relate to him so he doesn't have a lot of personality yeah this is the pants argument and, and i guess like we could also almost view like he's an avatar for us in the audience but if you're a white male yeah right exactly so i think it's weird that i don't think spielberg really believes these things like i need to have a white protagonist um all these sort of stereotypes in order for my audience to to like win over big audiences i don't think he actually believes that but seem to give into this but yeah, yeah it says like well yes that's only relating to a certain portion of your audience if we consider this as sort of our avatar into this world yeah although and most so, audiences are used to seeing that right? well, so <laughs> yeah. the, okay the, there's a whole there's a couple things i want to say about that one i just want to like give a shout out to whoever came up with a pants argument uh-huh. i don't know who you are on the internet but the pants <laughs> argument comes from like an internet article that i read years ago about um, Bella, the character, the main character in um, uh, the Twilight series. Okay. Um, I was just, I, I, I was mm-hmm. teaching it in high school at the time. I read all the books. Yeah. Um, I, my wife and I went to see the movies. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I was invested. I, yeah. I mean, like I like it a little bit. I'm happy to talk <laughs> about it. Want to? Um, but the argument that the person made was, um, it's pretty sound, and it was like Bella has almost no personality. Mm-hmm. She's like a pair of pants. And part of what makes her part of what the, the the appeal of that kind of protagonist is that you anybody can wear that pair of pants. Yeah, like many many people can put themselves in her place because she has mm-hmm. such a bland and blank personality. Right. And in and I don't know if that was intentional, um, if Stephanie Meyer did that on purpose, or if that mm-hmm. sort of happened by accident. I don't know, but it yeah. certainly was a key part of its really wide appeal. I mean, mm-hmm. being a, appealing to both. 13-year-old girls and, you know, 40-year-old moms and yeah. me and everybody else in between. <laughs> um, you know, and there's lots of dudes that are angry because, like, vampires don't shimmer. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, just a lot of the internet getting all grumpy. Yeah. Um, uh, because the, the few, for, for those that care about Twilight, um, there's, a, there's a really cool scene in the very first book where um, Bella and Edward, Edward's a vampire, 
He's yeah. like hundreds of years old. And they're in, but he, but he's like, he got vampired when he was in high school, so he looks like he's in high school. <laughs> and they're in science class, yeah. and they're both looking at these slides of different phases of cell reproduction, like mm-hmm. anaphase, prophase. Um, and it shows Bella as being like a quirky and nerdy um, and like confident here, where she's awkward other places. Mm-hmm. It's like the only time we get mm-hmm. her personality, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the funnest part of the book mm-hmm. and the series. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's it. She just pants all the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's part of what I meant about Wade is that like he's kind of just a pair of pants. Yeah. Like he is. He has like generic loss. He has mm-hmm. generic feelings. He's generically yeah. out of place. He's. But then again, it's like then he's generically male. You know, like he's generically yeah. like, you know, like cisgendered. He's gener- you know, like he's got mm-hmm. all this generic stuff in a very specific kind of way. Yeah. And the argument, um, yeah, and the argument is often made about many uh, uh, video game. It's like, well, that you know, he, there's just a protagonist, and traditionally the protagonists are this kind of way, and right. you know, you alienate most of your like neckbeard audience. Sorry, <laughs> neckbeards out there. You know, if you have something different than that, you're like, how uh-huh. can they play as a female character? Um, and there's just a, a casual contemplation of like actual history of games yields that there are plenty of games mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning and further on down in the line, which you do not play um, a white male. Yeah. Um, and they were very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, sometimes they're like um, genre bending or whatnot, but yeah. like there's and certainly like uh, like all of the games in which uh, almost all of the other role playing games in which you can choose characters like people have been playing as female characters for a long time and winning mm-hmm. games as female characters. Um, so I think it's uh, some of it is um, uh, revisionist history. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is there is a there there's a there's a kind of nostalgia in the in the setup of the the movie and I think the 2011 book mm. that I just want to mention. Yeah. And that's like like from Tron. Mm-hmm. Um there's like the idea that that cyberspace is a place where um it's it's our space. Yeah. And whoever like whoever the people are, like it, right. it, it belongs to the people, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be ruined by these corporations. Right. However, um, it that argument made in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. when the book was originally written, I think, is quaint. Yeah. Right. Because for all, and I think that this is something that like it is not addressed in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's addressed in like. Um, uh, the series uh, The Guild, okay. um, Felicia Day's yeah. masterful and quirky <laughs> show, um, in which like they're essentially World of Warcraft players, and one of them eventually goes to work for them, and there's like the hate of and mm. love of um, the people that make this game. Right. And I think the conclusion of this series, which happens towards the end, is like like this is essentially something we as young gamers dreamt about forever, mm. and this company made it. Right. Right. And so for and so like, even like. You know, in like 2004 with the release of like Warcraft 3 and on, online play through Battle.net, like mm-hmm. this was like a dream that many of us playing Warcraft 1 on dial-up in the 90s could like, it was beyond our wildest <laughs> dreams. Like an online, an online international competitive ladder of players? Yeah. Mind-boggling. You know, and so like the idea that like the players were going to wrest the cyberspace away from the corporations in 2011 is quaint because it's already run by massive 
gigantic corporations. And they, in general, um, have done a great job at a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're not paying me to say any of this, by the way. (laughs) Um, I mean, like, just in terms of the practicalities of connectivity and think of like if microsoft doesn't pioneer xbox live Mm -hmm. you know like which was sort of utterly groundbreaking at the time yeah to play console games with other people effectively and efficiently matching you over spaces and times Mm -hmm. like we don't have that like that is the kind of thing that that no small group of committed skillful coders could ever do right and so the and so like the the idea of the corporation as the boogeyman is 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 quaint mm. um, because the 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 real boogeyman is something much more complicated. Mm. It's this process that by which games that we love somehow become commercialized or right. somehow get ads in them, or and because that's not just like some evil corporation doing that. That's like the mm-hmm. that's the forces of economics right. um, working against us. Yeah, which is it's different. And mm-hmm. and the way like the evil is embodied, like they're gonna sell all these ads and stuff. And it's like it's not. There's some manner of economic force there that's not respected or, yeah. or, or recognized in this worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I mean, not disappointing, but it's like, it's another level of I don't know, nostalgic amnesia. Yeah. You know, and like maybe, and so like, um, but it recalls back to the, to the, I mean, to those amazing early days in the 80s, you know, <laughs> when, the, when the only people um, that were really into a lot of this stuff and were making it were like, Really, totally unique visionary characters, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of those things where, like, and I don't know the history of a lot of games mm-hmm. in, like, way back in the day. Yeah. But, like, I think a lot of those people, at least when I, in the documentaries that I've seen, they're, like, white males. Mm-hmm. Like, working for Atari, mm-hmm. um, working for these companies, doing stuff. And I think that there, there's a danger in, like, um, being really nostalgic for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's cool, right? Yeah. I mean, some of these people, like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, guys, if you've watched the um, Atari game over, which is about E.T. Mm. It's a beautiful documentary about mm-hmm. this one game that they made. I, yeah. I, I played it. it. It's often, it's an internet meme for, like, a colossal failure. Mm. Um, but to hear the creator, um, I mean, what he talks about when, I mean, <laughs> when he made it, he's like, you know, like, part of the, the challenge of the game is there, there are all these different people. Mm-hmm. In the in the game, which you have relationships with, yeah. there's never had been a game like that before. Yeah. There are different people that want ET to do different things, and you kind of need to choose who you follow, and mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of how you make it out of things. There's also really challenging parts where you fall in pits, and it's super frustrating because you <laughs> die. But that's like a game design thing. It's yeah. not. But the other element of you know, because and and there had never been a game that like in which you're like have relationships with people in it, mm-hmm. and now that's like an, an essential part of right. storytelling. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, but you know, like it was groundbreaking at the time, mm-hmm. um, and so the super creative, interesting people. But there's, because again, like when you, one thing that always blew my mind was that like there's a huge crossover between um, uh, like the the troll response to GamerGate and the alt right, mm-hmm. which I did not know. Mm-hmm. And there's some like um, there's just some really interesting. Their shared values. Or yeah, values. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I play a lot of like video games. I play a lot. Of, I play like tabletop um, miniature games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's mostly dudes. Yeah. Um, but like the 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 communities that I've been a part of that I like um, do their best to make it inclusive for 
females or other folks if they want to yeah. come and play. I mean, there's a store that I play at here that has like a couple gay folks. I mean, mm-hmm. still male, but I mean, yeah. like not your run of the mill everyday guys mm-hmm. um, that you normally see at the you know neckbeard convention. <laughs> um, and I think that there's. I mean, one of the, and this sounds super cheesy, and I'm sorry about it, but one of the things that I, I think technology and the anonymity of technology, which I think is very problematic, one of the things mm-hmm. that that can do is, like, bring people together. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, one of the games I love to play, Helldivers, I, I, like, you play in teams of four, like, there are a lot of mm-hmm. folks that I would play with every regular time that, like, I don't know who they are, yeah. I, but, like, I bet if I, I, would, I would have a beer with them if they were of age and it was right. appropriate, yeah. you know, based on how I got to know them in this game. Um, my son Ethan and I play a lot of Overwatch, which I think is like a masterfully designed game that's amazingly fun. They just came out with the uh, like Retribution update, which is like beyond fun. <laughs> Thank you, Blizzard. Yeah. But like you can establish these relationships with people that like you might not initially want to be with them, or like you might not initially have any have your paths crossed. Right, right. Um, and so like yeah. I I always like when technology brings people together Mm -hmm. and that little bit of anonymity at the beginning is cause for like a good uh group to come together like a la the guild Mm -hmm. um and so i don't like it when you know it it just the art when it draws people apart by saying this is this is white male territory yeah because it just it just is that argument it feels like the argument about america that like this america is a christian nation (laughs) and i'm like because the people that founded it were christian yeah i'm like I understand your point. They were very deliberate in the fact that they didn't make it a Christian nation. Right. And we, several hundred years later, can have a, a different vision mm-hmm. that comes from the principles that they have. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of the, part of the, the danger. Yeah, I mean, I think the film addresses a lot of different things, but only, like, half-heartedly. Yeah, or like references. Brings a, yeah, and I mean, we get, like... Um, I mean, one thing that surprised me was that I expected it just to be, like, this Easter egg hunt in the game, but I didn't expect that there was, like, this central creator figure there. Yeah. And that they did go in and have to explore his life, yeah. mistakes he made, um, you know, what he sort of came to at the end of his life. Yeah. All of that sort of gets messy and not yeah. completely followed through with, but was still, like, an interesting concept and something else to grasp onto. Um, just throwing out like other things that I think it starts to kind of touch on but doesn't carry through like uh, like what is of value in this future world you know they kind of see a little bit of about he gets some real world currency yeah. to be able to purchase things in the real world mm-hmm. um, beyond like it being valued how much you've earned in the Oasis world mm-hmm. and apparently I've heard in the book there's more about like people go to school in the Oasis, like they have jobs there. I think we kind of get that with the yeah. H character friend, like fixes up stuff, to, yeah. uh, earns money and stuff like that. So I think like they could have gone a little more full into like this is the place where people live because they're escaping this outside world that's horrible or maybe they're very poor in that world but rich in this world. Um and, and maybe they could have embraced that a little bit more. Uh, we get, you know, this idea of the corporation sort of uh, being sort of uh, full of themselves and not caring about the people in this world at all, just there for the money, which you kind of 
debunking a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I mean, just mean um, it, it's interesting, yeah, but it's yeah. it's it. it, 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 it I think it's really far. a straw man for yeah. a ship that has passed. Yeah, fifteen and we, years. Ago. And we get little things of like the people they've collected. Um, what is it? I IOI. Yeah, that they are sort of like really knowledgeable about pop culture and video games. But they they eventually sort of root for our heroes on that side. But they're like working for this corporation, and maybe that's like the only job they can get, and they kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I think those things are interesting. But I don't know if it was fully realized. And part of what I'm interested in, and just so curious about, is like what Spielberg saw in this film, and whether it was just like maybe it was already written. And somewhat ready to go and he jumped in and was like i can have some fun with this like i can make this car race like awesome um i can play around in uh kubrick's shining film and recreate some of that uh i can have this big battle scene at the end with all these references and maybe that's all he kind of got out of it like he's making been making serious films i'm gonna do something fun but i wish he would have done more like, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's an interesting play with something like The Shining where he finished AI, which was Kubrick's, um, was supposed to be Kubrick's film. So I think he has a deep relationship with him. Mm-hmm. But that's a film that, I guess I wouldn't say that it's that entertaining and fun, but it has, like, aspects that we get to see this future world that's, that's kind of fun and interesting to live in. Um, but I think he was asking bigger questions in that film. Like, he saw the sort of troubling aspects and like dived into those yeah um a little bit more and i did see a comparison i think at the end of that film we kind of get this father son or child adult relationship Mm -hmm. um where he's like back in his home with Mm -hmm. his mother and ai and we kind of get that aspect where wade meets halliday and he's like with himself as a kid and it's very like homey feeling i think that's a very like spielberg thing about family uh i'm not sure what i'm all supposed to think about it in ready player one um we talked about like there's this kind of quick line where they kind of say like what actually are you right we get a sense interesting is his consciousness like uploaded into this game is he some sort of ai um that exists in there or was this like a pre-recorded thing to interact but yeah it's very sort of like why does he take the kid with him himself why does he keep around a child version uh but i remember watching hbo made a spielberg documentary last year Mm -hmm. and they at least seem to really emphasize with his career And, and they interviewed him a lot for the film about his career so i think it was based off of what he said but you could really see the arc of things that he was interested in personally that he would explore throughout his films, whether it was his uh, Jewish heritage with films like Schindler's List, you know, talking about race uh, with the color purple, and um, throughout his uh, more political films, recently released The Post, which is response to, I think, what's happening in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can definitely see this movement, and even through some of his fun films, um, that we might call it, his some of his preoccupations. So. It is interesting to see him sort of look back, and we also get this Halliday character who created sort of this yeah. icon and culture, and he's having to sort of um, look back at that. And I think in general, Spielberg has been sort of 
looking back on his career, thinking about what he's saying um, with his films and maybe making a little more serious films mm-hmm. um, than he normally would. So I, I don't know at all to like make of that quite yet or like I would be interested in sit down with him and see what he was trying to do. I mean, a lot of people are making a big deal about like uh, referencing, you know, Jurassic Park in the film and like a lot of the icons that he helped produce, like he produced Back to the Future and uh, Gremlins and things like that that they sort of see pop up in the film. Yeah. Um, which I, I have heard he said he did not put in the film a lot. A lot of the animators added those things in. Um, was not really his choice, but uh, yeah, I, I just wonder like well, yeah. how much of this reflects on his artistic life and him thinking back through his career. Yeah. Well. So uh, there's there's some. I mean, you can tell. So there's some element of that that I I, I think is interesting and valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen you know I read several reviews that sort of take that you know like yeah. tack. Mm-hmm. Um, my like, I mean, what I say to that or what happens in my head. Is like okay, so Halliday is a is a is a character, you know, and in some ways, uh, we'll say like our Spielberg vehicle, you know, yeah. he's reflecting back on his creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we delve a little deeper, like his story is primarily about him falling in love with someone he couldn't kiss one time, yeah. um, and it, and and again, like what he created was the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a space, and there, right. there, I mean, there, there are some worlds in it. You know, I think mm-hmm. there's the Doom world, and so, like, in some sense, like he did create content in that space, but yeah. primarily he, like, it seems like he arc, he, he's the archi- <clears throat> architect yeah. of this space, mm-hmm. which is cool um, for other people to sort of fill. Yeah, it, but and so, like, in a sense, he provided like a platform for other people's freedom, which mm-hmm. I would really like them to have mentioned once. Yeah. Um, but instead, you know, it's like they talk about how he's great and awesome and mm-hmm. it's cool. But like, for what reason? Yeah, like, right. what exactly did he do? And, he, and you know, like, I mean, and he created the Oasis. Mm-hmm. But much of that I have to do myself. Yeah. I have to do outside of the diegesis yeah. of the film, which is like disappointing. Um, and like, I don't, he doesn't, I don't feel like Halliday is an appropriate vehicle for Spielberg <laughs> Because yeah. I, I mean, like, and again, making something iconic, yes, mm-hmm. but not in the way Spielberg did. Yeah. Um. And and it and it's like, and I don't, you know, like, there's just like the parallels don't stack up for me. And and I think like on a surface level, it's like mm-hmm. because there's the, the often cited line of like he's the creator who hated his creation. Yeah. You know, like is like Spielberg saying he can't stand all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But we don't even really know. Like it's kind of muddy in the film exactly what yeah. that is, well, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also not like that's not like I don't. He doesn't burn it down. Like yeah, right. I, like I don't get the sense that I mean his goal is to hand it off to someone who is sort of like like him was like worthy of this and thought the way that he yeah. did. he wasn't trying to like say that you shouldn't use this world the way that I was using yeah. it. Yeah, um, and I just I, I mean I know it's the movie. Yeah. Um, but like the the caricature of like, you know, like I mean, because again, like he he chooses to sign the the document with his clan mm-hmm. and not just him. I like it. Yeah, I want more. Yeah, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the the truth is like in the real world, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole lot of stuff between like just a bunch of ads, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and like a like a totally guerrilla run thing. Yeah. Um, and and so like and whatever, it's a video game, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a film about a video game can recognize that in the real world, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more space there. Yeah, and and like there's a lot of interesting and relevant things you can talk about mm-hmm. when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, and I don't know, I mean, I feel like I have to read the book. Um, <laughs> but in, in some sense, you know, it, it's like, even like, I think it was written in 2011, um, maybe a little earlier, like, mm-hmm. it, it harkens back to a time that had already passed. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the late 90s and, and turn of the, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, in the early days when we were all playing Doom on our college, you know, high school computers. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the age after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's all of that stuff. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, with with the advent of the Xbox, with the advent of EverQuest and mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, you know, like it's a whole new age. Yeah, you know, and um, it, it it wasn't. I mean, and I maybe someone out there <laughs> knows all the stories, but I mean, like the creation of BattleNet and the creation of World of Warcraft and these massively multiplayer online role-playing games mm-hmm. were, were not the genius of a few individuals. Yeah. They're gigantic corporate endeavors. EverQuest, yeah. you know, it starts off smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, like, the ability to mobilize all that infrastructure and stuff yeah. comes and, like, is only able to happen um, because of the giant sort of corporate level. And I guess, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, like, in some sense, how they represent that. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's some... Everybody come, becomes a straw man in the story, right. and and I think it prevents um, him from making or Spielberg or other people in the film from making like a lasting statement about the film. Yeah. And like I agree, like as a parent, like we should set limits on our kids' screen time. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean the screen time is bad; it just means you don't do it all the time. Right. Um, you know, and I thought about that. I mean, I thought about like watching this with my nine-year-old, and I think it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean. You know, I think there's a lot of the references he would get, he would enjoy, like punching Mechagodzilla in the face, <laughs> like a giant gun and robot at the end. Yeah. Like, cool. Right. Um, the other thing that I that I think it the movie touches on, which is a real thing, um, is gold farming, which I, when we talked about, you hadn't really heard about it. Yeah, you mentioned that. That's but it's like there. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, gold farming is, is. I mean, like I'm not an expert on it by any means, but I've read about mm-hmm. it. You know, it's. Um, like there are folks all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. There are like a, a lot of small places. Um, mm-hmm. I think in China and other places in Asia where people just like sit down and like you can pay them to play your game for you, or they yeah. they will play the, a game and like sell in-game items for real currency. You know, and they'll sit and sort of like in mm-hmm. a lot of them in World of Warcraft sit there and do like go collect things and generate money. Um, and you know, there are Americans who are like, oh, it's just gold farming for a while, like professionally gaming, you know, yeah. selling things. Right. But it's, I mean, like there, there, there have been there's articles and studies and you know good literature about, you know, like quasi slave labor doing right. it, um, which I think it's just which it, it it seems to me is referenced in these loyalty centers, mm-hmm. like they're, they're doing in game work. I mean, mm-hmm. but they're slaves. Um, yeah, I mean that seemed like the real stakes. That were sort yeah. of happening that they were fighting against. Was like Artemis' dad like, died in one. Basically gets locked in like a yeah. cell, um, which they did seem to emphasize pretty well. I think. Yeah, and so that like again, that's an interesting thing, mm-hmm. which has a parallel in our world. Yeah. 
Um, you know, because and that's at the interesting intersection of a fun game, mm-hmm. a corporate entity, people that need stuff, right? Poverty, yeah. Um, you know, which is sort of like the indelible subject matter of what I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure other people call it other things, but I call it like the third future. I mean, you have like Star Wars, Star Trek, um, and then this whole other <laughs> world, you know, you know, like whether it's William Gibson's cyber world, you know, like mm-hmm. cyberpunk, or um, you know. A, a, other like alternative futures that are not either lasers and religion or we solve poverty because right. we're totally done with that yeah. and we're all white. Um, you know, like it's this, this, that third tract of art mm-hmm. always has to wrestle, always has to wrestle with, you know, like the next step, the, right. the near saying, future. Yeah. You know, what happens when we, yeah. And so. I mean, I, I think we've, I've talked to you about like, uh, unfortunately, this is a concept not or- necessarily originally to me, but like I wanted to make into something sort of live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a TV show to to pitch to somebody of like people that get stuck inside of this yeah. video virtual reality world, um, and they have like basically have to create their own like society in there and things like that, um, which I think is really fascinating and relevant to our future possibly of what is possible or at least people that are living their whole lives in this virtual world um has always been fascinating to me these two sides of things yeah and i, and think I mean we're in a more um less technological way we're like getting there if we think of like the online world and things like that yeah or well have you ever personas. have you ever read any um of like uh, anything about like the economy of eve online no so eve online is um is really cool like space Mm-hmm. Massively multiplayer online thing, and yeah. you have like a ship, and you fly around and do stuff. Anyway, and so there's like an, there's like economies, like real economies with mm-hmm. the currency exchange, all this sort of stuff. Um, and like it was subject to like currency manipulation, market market crashes, like all <laughs> yeah, these yeah. sort of things that exist in sort of other economies. Some of it precipitated by nefarious means, some of it sort of precipitated by things sort of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there's like you know, and because it's all data, you can analyze everything. And right. there's, there's those that are interested, there's a lot of really interesting. Um, analyses of like online the online economies of, of Eve Online you had said when we first started that there's um, ways in which like the movie contradicts itself mm-hmm. and I mean you want to explain <clears throat> that a little bit yeah I mean I just think in some ways it, like the big one is that it wants to say uh, like characters obviously love the Oasis yeah. and being there um, but like ultimately at the end it kind of has this message like Halliday almost seems to be saying like well don't forget about like the real world and like the relationships that you have to yeah. have there and we see that sort of illustrated like it goes from you know only like knowing these virtual friends to like knowing who they actually are and we get like a tiny bit about what their life is like not yeah. much. Um, they kind of attempt that so it, like I'm just not sure like what message it's trying to send me and I, and I think it, it's not sure either. Like, it had this great premise of these people going after this task of, like, getting these Easter eggs, and it's going to be fun, and they have this crazy world. But it's like, well, we can't, like, totally promote that sort of lifestyle. You know what I mean? Um, like, there has to be something outside of that. Yeah. So, and then, like, in small ways, it just seems like it contradicts. Like, we were talking about, like, what the characters are after or how they're represented. It just kind of seems to, like... It, like, introduces things and then, like, doesn't take them anywhere. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, yeah. one of the uh, the Lego movie. 
Mm-hmm. We love the Lego movie at our house. Yeah. I love the great. Lego movie. Uh-huh. Um, I could 100%, what, 99% do without any of the live action. Mm. Like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Will Ferrell? Whoa! Yeah. When I first watched it. I, I, I mean, like, like... In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way. Okay. I was like, no, no, no. It's Lego people. <laughs> Why are there non-Lego no. things oh, yeah, yeah. involved in this story? Yeah. And then we get like, oh, it's like a representation of a thing in his life and his dad's in the you know, AFL. I'm like, I don't care and I don't need it. Like, we just need to get the, like, spear of destiny and, <laughs> you know, poke the galactic eyeball and win yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And there's some sense um, that I think Ready Player One, in, in attempting to talk about a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. fails at being what it could be. Mm-hmm. Like, just in like, just tell us Easter egg story. Just yeah. in like, or like, just tell us this like right. people saving the oasis. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like, look, like we got a black lesbian and we got some Japanese people and we got a girl right. with a birthmark and woo, like, and, mm-hmm. and it just like, it's like, it's like, stop talking. It's trying to do too many things. Yeah. yeah, and and I think it it does the things, it does a lot of those things poorly, mm-hmm. and so it really cuts into I think what could be its cool yeah. thing. Because, I mean, the things, I guess, like, the things in the Oasis are pretty good. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I really like the Easter egg concept. I like mm-hmm. all the, I like, I like the going back. I hate racing games. So I love, like, <laughs> you, you beat the racing game, but not by really? racing well. Yeah. But by, like, outthinking it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all those, those things are interesting. Um, I do, the, like, it, like, I, it kind of bothers me a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't know. So like you know, like the, the climactic element at the end is like him like finding the first Easter egg in adventure, which mm-hmm. I really regret that I didn't call because <laughs> I I mean I do like I did know about that. It's actually yeah. it's, it's I mean it's like famous. Uh-huh. Um, I remember I whispered to you like it's gonna be ET because like a, as an homage to the guy who did ET, this yeah. great guy. Um, but uh, I thought it would be more. You know I mean mm. it's like because in some sense it's like it's not about winning. It's about what is it sense. about? Yeah. You know, it's right. like playing. Mm-hmm. What are you getting at? I mean, like it didn't, I, it didn't quite hit home. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't know if that's like maybe the book was making a point that the, the movie couldn't quite translate mm-hmm. or, you know, like the movie kind of goes off on another track and kind of converges at this important plot point at the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it, I didn't really get it's much It's also a little it. contradictory that like, Halliday created these Easter eggs, and his ultimate point was a little bit like, "Well, I missed some like real-world personal opportunities because I was sort of like so wrapped up in this other stuff." Yeah. But like, the way that they got to winning those things was by being like the biggest Halliday geeks, like the biggest fans yeah. and the people that knew the most. Um, about him, so like, yeah, and about he was forcing like the, people to like go into this world, other world of like him mm-hmm. to be able to discover it. Besides, like, and so it's it also like, like an world. an artificial world, yeah, because he very he's selective about those memories, mm-hmm. like, and they're very clear about that. Right. I mean, it is very obvious. Yeah. I mean, because it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I do it like there's some. I mean, I'm not an uber nerd, if that's the thing. Yeah. But, like, one of the greatest, I mean, one of the greatest 
video game Easter eggs of all time, mm-hmm. I think, is one um, for a game called The Binding of Isaac. And for those of you who are fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. There's like this, like, and it, it's like, it was, I, I played the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome, interesting, yeah. a little bit gross. Um, fans out there know. <laughs> um, but, and so, I mean, Google it, like, Easter egg, Binding of Isaac. But, like, there are, like, all these, like, obscure hints and references in various little parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, various people, like, hash those different things into various things to, to find a place in the real world. Mm. Where they went and discovered something, and the minute they posted something about it, then like the creator of the game who was watching it, like yeah. released something in the game, oh, okay. which is like just you know like because it, it was one of the yeah. coolest Easter right. eggs of all time, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so it's there's just some bit that it's 2018. Mm-hmm. You're making a game about Easter eggs inside Easter eggs, yeah. And maybe there's some sort of licensing or something or whatever, but like mm. you gotta talk about that one. <laughs> Right? I mean, or right. at least have something similar in substance. Right. And maybe there's a reference in there that I didn't get, and, and you know, because there's a yeah. lot of stuff. But Yeah, the, I mean, that aspect would have been more interesting also. Yeah. Um, like, I think they could have done a better job of, like, linking it to the real world than they did, which just eventually became sort of like a chase scene with the bad guys racing after them and then uh, yeah. accomplishing something inside the world. Um, Again, I also think they could have done the opposite, too. Yeah, and just, just gave us a whole part. lot of Oasis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people probably still would have criticized it then for that, but that's what it was wanting to do, basically. Yeah. And they should have just let it do that. Yeah. Um, a few other little things. Uh, I mean, I think talking about Spielberg, too, uh, he's kind of been doing this like his whole career, so I don't think we can really give him a hard time about it, criticize him too much. Like, Indiana Jones, like, he's always played to what influenced him Mm -hmm. from the past and he's sort of repackaging it in a very slick way um and i think he eventually had the resources from these big corporations to create some of these things that we love um he's always kind of on the cusp of technology like jurassic park cost a lot of money because they created these dinosaurs in the computers um and we'd never seen anything like that before so i think those aspects uh, we can't forget about that. You know, it's not something new that he's doing. Um, sort of loving these things and showing that to us uh, in in an amazing way. Uh, I also like the the way. I don't know if this was intentional, but like maybe it's for another film to explore, um, and maybe Tron does it a little bit. Um, but we get like the original Tron. Yeah, uh, this world that um is sort of made by a creator and especially in like ready player one like everybody's going into it um and we see almost this like worship of halliday as like this god by these yeah. players and so it is sort and of it, his like, rules are immutable yeah and it is like a sort of microcosm of like this exploration of creator and um the creation and how yeah. they interact and eventually we get like if you seek out the creator enough you will like be able to sort of become a god yourself you know um if you can reach that place only one of you only one of you yeah and if you're a white male ready player one yeah, yeah. um but I, I just think there's something to think about there or they could have also yeah 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 no, with, i mean there's um, like there's certainly like a many 
And again, he like created the space, but they like filled it. You know, his sort of creation filled yeah. that space um, with it, which is which is kind of fascinating. But I mean, I think we it, it forces us to kind of consider who are the sort of gatekeepers of these things, though, um, that we look at. And I think we're facing that a little bit with like stuff like Facebook, where we've you know, yeah, like those they just put the frame there, and we like fill all the content. That's all it is. And now we're sorting, sort of balk at like, hey, well, what are you doing with that stuff? Um, who are you sharing it with? But like, we're willingly sort of filling it up. Uh, and, yeah, and, that's a very generous <laughs> yeah, take yeah. on that. Yeah, and I think also like we, there's not. It's progressed in a way that there are not people that know what's happening enough with it to yeah. control it. Like our government doesn't know what's happening with that. They don't yeah. see far enough ahead to understand how to regulate it if it needs regulation or whatever. Um, in, in a healthy well, way. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. there is like one real world thing I guess I want to talk about in terms mm-hmm. of that. I mean, like you know, when I was playing like uh, Warcraft three like online competitively was probably like I don't know, like two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. One of the reasons why I stopped, it was just like, um, once I got to a certain level, like, you know, I, I like in, in playing by myself, like if I would win, like, you know, like they'd call me a faggot, you know, uh-huh. or like, you're like, yeah, there'd yeah. be like some sort of like uh, profanity with the, mm-hmm. with the, like, and there, it was always faggot. There's always mm-hmm. like faggot yeah. thrown in there at some yeah. point. Um, and then if I played on a team game and like, I didn't do well enough, like it'd be like faggot, you know, <laughs> like all this. And I was like, I can't, I mean... I was like, I can't believe this is what... First of all, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want any part of this, like, homophobic garbage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and like in those early days, you couldn't shut it off. I reported every single one of those guys. Nothing ever happened. Yeah, um, you know, and it's it's 2018. And like and I said, I play... I mean, I've talked often about, like, how, like, a few, like a, this game called Helldivers got me back into multiplayer online mm-hmm. stuff. I play Overwatch with my son a lot. I mean, yeah. it's a, we play together. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays, like... And, like... You know, in 2006, like, it, it it generally seemed that, like, online interactions are not rated by the, you know, ESRB yeah. was, was, like, all that they were responsible for. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And this is before World of Warcraft in which, like, online behavior was serious, became mm-hmm. serious, like, right. had serious world consequences. And now, like, I mean, I don't think it's... I'd, I'd love to, like, talk to a designer at Blizzard someday. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, I mean, Overwatch is designed from... From at every element for like creating positive, constructive community interactions, mm. um, you know, and like it, it both limits what you do, it encourages mm. you, encourages all kinds of habits. It is fundamentally different yeah. than um, what the world was like twelve years ago, mm. um, and I think it's taken. And I don't know what it took, like I, I, yeah. I, I but certainly like I think a, a generation of, I mean. I mean, a lot of us who like had like I like there are a number of things that I would never do. Um, mm-hmm. I would never like call someone else a faggot in anger. Like, yeah. It just right, right. would not do it. Yeah. Um, and certainly, like even you know as far back as then, like uh, I would almost I I would always have my online name be my name, mm. which I know yeah. which which is like weird. Yeah. But I was like, I think the anonymity of the internet is part of the problem. Mm. 
I now most of my accounts that my that my son and I use are uh, an avatar like a, right, a chosen gotcha. name because I don't want them to know his name because mm-hmm. I think it's safe and responsible. Right. Um, uh, you know, but like the, <laughs> um, like the. There's a whole, there's an entire subculture mm-hmm. of like the kind of language you use when you're online gaming, mm-hmm. and I hate all of it. Yeah, I think it's a drain on humanity, um, and just a waste. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's both like, I mean, it's the 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 pwn culture, the culture of both of like bragging about your successes and gloating and demeaning your opponent and like mm-hmm. throwing in misogyny and racism and yeah. all this other stuff in there at the same time. Um, and it's like, uh, just in terms of like a parent, like I want my son to do none of these things. Right. Like, I don't want him to like someday. I'm sure. I mean, all of us men have to deal with like the world of masculinity that's thrust upon us. Um, but like, there's no, I mean, like, again, like before, like a few, just a few games in the past mm-hmm. year or two was like, I, I had no interest in my son participating in that mm-hmm. world at all. Yeah, yeah. And even like we played, um, like Halo Five a couple times online before we figured out how to turn off the voice chat, <laughs> and I was like, "Who I'm are you people? This, like, yeah. do you?" And, and and it's like they're probably fairly normal people, mm-hmm. um, but like the the and this is relates a lot to to GamerGate and what that mm-hmm. was all about. But like, there's this online Wild West where like it's totally cool to be like as homophobic, misogynist, racist as you possibly can. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, and I just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've watched the first episode, the Star Trek. I haven't watched the new one, one no. of Black. No, uh, Black no, Mare. I have not watched it. People talk um, about it. But yeah, it addresses a lot of these things of like how we act in these virtual worlds and how we act outside of it, and like what it means about how we uh, treat people. Um, you know, if we could treat them any way we wanted and we didn't think there was a consequence, yeah. like, um, what? It, how do we act in those situations? What does that show? It's really fascinating. Um, so I would, I would recommend that. I think we've always keep planning to talk about Black Mirror more. Yeah. That one does it really well and, uh, and still manages to sort of, like, balance some fun elements. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the the media that it's referencing, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that would be address a lot of the things you no, talked about cool. misogyny. Um, yeah, I think we can probably wrap up some of this Ready Player One yeah. conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately I wish for more, but I can't. We've we've been pretty hard on it, but uh, we did say at the beginning it was an entertaining movie. Yeah, I mean, I think. I didn't expect a lot going into it. It was be better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I, like I was that without yeah. a doubt. It yeah. was um, in many aspects um, better mm-hmm. than I thought it would be, and surprisingly good in a lot of areas. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's hard for Spielberg to make a very bad movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just like a very good craftsman at this point, yeah. and he knows where to put a camera. And I, I think. Some of this is, I recently watched um, Tintin, mm-hmm. the film that he made, which is all animated, and it just seems like he's like, gets to have fun and go create, because he's like, I can put the camera anywhere, I can make this shot run as long as I want, um, I can do any of this and imagine anything that I can imagine, which I think is, is somewhat like what he sort of craves yeah. and can't necessarily do in the real world, and you see some of that here, like with the car chase and things like that. 
Um, okay, we'll do. Did you think it was in poor taste, the Shining element, since it's not really like about the Shining? I. No, I wouldn't even... In poor taste? Who says it's in poor taste? Well, I mean, do you think that as a sort of classic film and Kubrick being dead, like, it should have a little more, like, reverence for that film when it just kind of became, like, oh, remember that zombie game Halliday made? And, like, it was in this room. Oh, tut, tut. I can't can't, uh, show physical distress at that even. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I thought it was great. Yeah. I have no complaints about it. I I think I enjoyed it. I mean, I think it also, like, displayed this is, like, uh, Spielberg's, like, fandom, sort of. Like, what he's passionate about is, like, I'm going to show you some film history a little bit, you know? Um, Oh, yeah. I mean... But I'm going to be a little... I hiss at that, Eli. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean... I, I it's okay. So like, I was a little disappointed at the at the end of the sequence when we're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like this zombie horror thing. I'm like, oh, I don't. Oh, that's a thing from this world, yeah. not my world. Yeah. But like, I mean, I loved like the that like not all the characters knew about The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh, the two little girls. That's great. I yeah. mean, because it's essentially you get to like, watch oh, the film. Well, yeah, yeah, you get to watch the film again from someone else's eyes, which you can't mm-hmm. ever do again, right? Yeah. Um, I thought it was fine. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I thought if you're going to have a scary thing, it has to be The Shining. I also don't like the end of The Shining, the movie. Mm. Um, I think, like, you know, like, the best part of the film is, like, when stuff starts falling apart. Mm-hmm. And she discovers, like, that, you know, all work and no play. Yeah. And then he starts chasing after them. That's cool. Yeah. But, like, and I don't know what the book is. Yeah. yeah, like, the, I mean, because, I, I mean, they're, like. It's quite different, apparently. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Stephen King didn't like yeah, and so the ending is like, ooh, but like, yeah. I, like at the height of when he's like chasing them around, mm-hmm. you know, and and just like the the um, I think there's one time like when you realize that he's speaking to no one down in the yeah. place, like yeah. when you start realizing all these like that you have been fooled mm-hmm. um, as a film watcher. Yeah, that that that's some of the best parts of the film, mm-hmm. and so like I'm like I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That they didn't use. The, I mean, they did use the end because they have the hedges and the access to stuff, but yeah. like I don't. I was totally fine that it didn't have to do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also mashup. I mean, like it's right. it's, it's mashup it's fan mashup. fiction. Yeah, and it's like I mean, I have no reservation. I mean, there's like things that <laughs> I have no, nope. Yeah. I don't. I don't share that sentiment. Oh, that's cool. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. This has been uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One.